Chapter Sixteen of the Benefactress by Elizabeth von Arnim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor, Oxford, UK. But in spite of this little outburst of gratitude and appreciation from Fräulein Kohrauber, the first evening of the new life was a disappointment. The Fräulein, who entered the room so happily under the impression of that recent kiss, became awkward and uncomfortable the moment she caught sight of the others lapsing indeed into a quite pitiful state of nervous flutter on being brought for the first time within the range of the princess's critical and unsympathetic eye her experience had not included princesses and as she made a series of agitated curtsies deeming one altogether insufficient for so great a lady she felt as though that cold eye were piercing her through easily and had already discovered the inmost recess of her soul where lay so carefully hidden the memory of the postman every time the princess looked at her a sudden vivid consciousness of the postman flamed up within her utterly refusing to be extinguished by the soothing recollection that he had been angelic for thirty years that obviously experienced eye and those pursed lips upset her so completely that she made no remark whatever during the meal that followed but sat next to anna and ate labourwurst in a kind of uneasy dream and she ate it with a degree of emphasis so unusual among the polite and so disastrous to the peace of the ultra-fastidious that anna felt there really was some slight excuse for the frequent and lengthy stares that came from the other end of the table yet she is an immortal soul what does it matter how she eats labourwurst said anna to herself what do such trifles such little mannerisms really matter i should indeed be a miserable creature if i let them annoy me but she turned her head away nevertheless and talked assiduously to letty there was no one else for her to talk to frau von treumann and the baroness had seated themselves at once on either side of the princess and devoted their conversation entirely to her in the drawing-room later on the same thing happened the three german ladies clustering together near the sofa and the three english being left somehow to themselves except for fraulein kuhrauber who clung to them to avoid this division into what looked like hostile camps anna pushed her chair to a place midway between the groups and tried to join though not very successfully in the talk of each in turn outward calm prevailed in the room subdued voices the tranquillity of fancy-work and the peace of albums yet anna could not avoid a chilled impression a feeling as though each person present were distrustful of the others and more or less on the defensive frau von treumann it is true was graciousness itself to the princess conversing with her constantly and amiably and showing herself kind but on the other hand the princess was hardly gracious to frau von treumann an unbiased observer would have said that she disapproved of frau von treumann but was endeavouring to conceal her disapproval she busied herself with her embroidery and talked as little as she could receiving both the advances of frau von treumann and the attentions of the baroness with equal coldness as for the baroness her doubts as to anna's respectability were blown away completely and for ever when on opening the drawing-room door before supper she had beheld no lesser person than the geborene dettingen seated on the sofa the baroness had spent her life in a remote and tiny provincial town but she knew the great dettingen and penheim families well by name and a princess in her opinion was a princess 
an altogether precious and admirable creature whatever she might choose to do her scruples then were set at rest but her ice as far as anna was concerned showed no signs of thawing all her amiability and her efforts to produce a good impression were lavished on the princess who besides being by birth and marriage the grandest person the baroness had yet met spoke her own tongue properly had no dimples and did not try to stroke her hand she looked on with mingled awe and irritation at the easy manner in which frau von treumann treated this great lady it almost seemed as though she were patronising her really these treumanns were a brazen-faced race audacious east prussian junkers who thought themselves as good as or better than the best and this one was not even a true treumann but an illness and one of the inferior cadenstein branch and the baroness's brother that brother whose end was so abrupt had been quartered once during the manoeuvres at cadenstein and had told her that it was a wretched place with a foul run that wanted mending within a few yards of the front door and that the door standing open all day long he had frequently met fowls walking about in the hall and passages yet remembering the brother's story and how there was no shadow of the sort resting at present on frau von treumann though as she had a son there was no telling how long her shadowless state would last she tried to ingratiate herself with that lady who met her advances coolly only warming into something like responsiveness when fraulein kuhrauber was in question fraulein kuhrauber sat behind letty and miss leech as far away from the others as she could she had a stocking in her hand but she did not knit she never knitted if she could avoid it and was conscious that from want of practice her needles moved more slowly than is usual so slowly indeed as to be conspicuous letty showed her photographs and was very kind to her instinctively perceiving that here was someone who was as uneasy under the tall lady's stairs as she was herself she privately thought her by far the best of the new arrivals and wished she knew enough german to inquire into her views respecting schiller there was something in the fraulein's looks and manner that made her think they would agree about schiller anna too ended by talking exclusively to this group her attempts to join in what the others were saying had been unsuccessful and with a little twinge of disappointment and a feeling of being for some unexplained reason curiously out of it she turned to fraulein kuhrauber and devoted herself more and more to her they are inseparables already remarked the baroness in a low voice to frau von treumann the miss finds her congenial it seems she could not forgive those doors she had gone through last the princess looked up for a moment over the spectacles she wore when she worked at anna fraulein kuhrauber makes an excellent foil said frau von treumann miss estcourt looks quite ethereal next to her do you think her pretty asked the baroness she is very distinguished-looking a servant came in at that moment and announced delvig's usual evening visit and anna got up and went out they watched her as she walked down the long room and when she had disappeared began to discuss her more at their ease their rapid german being quite incomprehensible to letty and miss leech where has she gone asked the baroness she has gone to talk to her inspector said the princess ach so said the baroness ach so said frau von treumann is the inspector young asked the baroness oh no quite old said the princess these english are a strange race said frau von treumann 
What German girl of that age would you find with so much energy and enterprise? Is she so very young? inquired the Baroness, with a look of mild surprise. Why, she is plainly little more than a child, said Frau von Treumann. She is twenty-five, said the Princess. Rather an old child, observed the Baroness. She looks much younger, but twenty-five is surely young enough for this life, away from her own people, said Frau von Treumann. "'Yes, why does she lead it?' asked the Baroness, eagerly. "'Can you tell us, Frau Prinzessin? Has she then quarrelled with all her friends?' "'Miss Estcourt has not told me so. But she must have quarrelled. Eccentric as the English are, there are limits to their eccentricity, and no one leaves home and friends and country without some good reason.' And Frau von Treumann shook her head. "'She has quarrelled, I am sure,' said the Baroness. "'I think so, too.' said Frau von Treumann. I thought so from the first. My son also thought so. You remember Karlchen, Princess? Perfectly. I discussed the question thoroughly with him, of course, as to whether I should come here or not. I confess I did not want to come. It was a great wrench, giving up everything and going so far from my son. But after all, one must not be selfish. And Frau von Treumann sighed and paused. No one said anything, so she continued. One feels, as one grows older, how great are the claims of others. And a widow with only one son can do so much, can make herself of so much use. That is what Karlchen said. When I hesitated, for I fear, one does hesitate before inconvenience, he said, Liebste Mama, it would be a charity to go to the poor young lady, you who have always been the first, to extend a sympathetic hand to the friendless. How is it that you hesitate now?' depend on it she has had differences at home and needs countenance and help you have no encumbrances you can go more easily than others you must regard it as a good work and that decided me the princess let her work drop for a moment into her lap and gazed over her spectacles at frau von treumann wirklich she said in a voice of deep interest those were your reasons aber herrlich yes those were my reasons replied frau von treumann returning her gaze with pensive but steady eyes those were my chief reasons i regard it as a work of charity but this is noble murmured the princess resuming her work that is how i have regarded it put in the baroness i agree with you entirely dear frau von treumann i do not pretend to disguise went on frau von treumann that it is an economy for me to live here but poor as i have been since my dear husband's death you remember karl princess perfectly poor as i have been i always had sufficient for my simple wants and should not have dreamt of altering my life if miss estcourt's letters had not been so appealing ach they were appealing oh heart of stone would have been melted by them and a widow's heart is not of stone as you must know yourself the orphan appealing to the widow it was irresistible well you see she is not by any means alone said the princess cheerfully here we are five of us counting the little letty surrounding her so you must not sacrifice yourself unnecessarily oh i am not one of those who having put their hand to the plough but where is the plough dear frau von treumann you see there is after all no plough <laughs> dear princess 
You always were so literal. Ah, you used to reproach me with that in the old days, when you wrote poetry and read it to me, and I was rude enough to ask if it meant anything. We did not think then that we should meet here, did we? No, indeed. And I cannot tell you how much I admire your courage. My courage? What fine qualities you invest me with! Miss Estcourt has told me how admirably you discharge your duties here. It is wonderful to me. You are an example to us all, and you make me feel ashamed of my own uselessness. Oh, you underrate yourself. People who leave everything to go and help others cannot talk of being useless. Yes, I look after the house for her, and I hope to look after her as well. After her? Is that one of your duties? Did she stipulate for personal supervision when she engaged you? How times are changed! When my Karl was alive and we lived at Sommershof, I certainly would not have tolerated that my housekeeper should keep me in order as well as my house. The case is surely different, dear Frau von Treumann. Here is an unusually pretty young thing, with money. She will need all the protection I can give her, and it is a satisfaction to me to feel that I am here and able to give it. But she may any day turn round and request you to go. That, of course, may happen, but I hope it will not until she is safe. But do you think her so pretty? put in the Baroness, wonderingly. Safe? What special dangers do you then apprehend for her? asked Frau von Treumann with a look of amusement. Dear Princess, you always did take your duties so seriously. What a treasure you would have been to me in many ways. It is admirable. But do your duties really include watching over Miss Estcourt's heart? For I suppose you are thinking of her heart. I'm thinking of adventurers, said the Princess. Any young man with no money would naturally be delighted to secure this young lady and Kleinwalde, and those who instead of money have debts would naturally be still more delighted. And the Princess, in her turn, gazed pensively but steadily at Frau von Treumann. No, she said, taking up her work again, I was not thinking of her heart, but of the annoyance she might be put to. I do not fancy that her heart would easily be touched. Anna came in at that moment for a paper she wanted, and heard the last words. What? she said, smiling as she unlocked the door of her writing-table and rummaged among the contents. You are talking about hearts. You see, it is true that women can't be together half an hour without getting onto subjects like that. If you were three men now, you would talk of pigs. Then, a sudden recollection of Uncle Joachim coming to her mind, she added with conviction, And pigs are better. Nor was it till she had closed the door behind her that it struck her that when she came into the room, both the Princess and Frau von Treumann were looking preternaturally bland. End of chapter 16